Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Welcome to Bring Out the Talent, a podcast featuring learning and development experts discussing innovative approaches and industry insights. Tune in to hear our talent help develop yours. Now here are your hosts, PTA's CEO and President Maria Melfa and Talent Manager Jocelyn Allen. Hello, everyone. This is Maria. Hi, we're back again. It's Jocelyn. How are you, Maria? We had a beautiful weekend this weekend. It was very nice. Did a lot of yard work. I cannot walk today. (laughs) How about yourself? Say, it's amazing what pulling a weed out of the ground will do to your body. Like I have a scratch that really stings. I'm being a wicked baby about it. But yes, my back is also quite sore. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm embarrassed. Uh, The joys of aging. But but it was really yard. Yes, absolutely. But it was was very nice to have a 65 degree day of sunshine. That's a perfect day for me. I don't like it. You're like me where I don't like it too hot. Agreed. I'm excited about our episode today. Let's talk about our guest. I am very excited also. It's definitely a topic that I love to talk about because I've had a lot of experience in this area. So as leaders, we wear many hats coach, mentor, motivator, problem solver, and beyond. But one role many leaders aren't always prepared for is the role of the bad attitude modifier. Unfortunately, an employee with a toxic attitude can seriously disrupt things in the workplace. Research shows that when faced with a toxic employee, 78% of employees become less committed to their organization especially if they're not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. In today's episode, we dive into the importance of addressing a bad attitude in the workplace and how to tackle this issue head on. To help answer these questions, we speak with Lisa Harrison. Lisa is a diversity and human resource consultant with over 85 years of experience. <laughs> Actually, Lisa, Lisa only has 20 years of experience. I just thought I'd throw that in. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. I mean, and Lisa, we have to say you look great. 85 years of experience in <laughs> HR. I mean, that's that's quite an accomplishment. I know what that can do to a person uh, resilience wise. So you, you should be proud of that alone. <laughs> that threw me for a loop. I was like, oh, absolutely. I got to start throwing go those in. You should, right? Just to see if people are actually paying attention, including our guests, because now, Lisa, you have to live up to that. So, <laughs> so funny. yeah, you have to talk about issues back in in the 1920s. <laughs> Tell us how things have evolved over the last eight decades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as I mentioned, this is definitely a subject that I could relate to because we started the training associates about 28 and a half years ago. And back in the days, I didn't realize how one negative attitude could really ruin the team or just permeate through the whole organization. And I know a lot of corporations will hold on to some employees because they are great employees. They get great work done, but if they don't get along with other people, it really can destroy an organization. And we have been crazy about finding the right people and making a lot of cultural changes as far as people being a culture fit over the last many years. And I must say, it's just, we've really 
live and breathe this and have such mm-hmm. a great team. But let's let's get started with you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, you make a great point, Maria, when you say that a lot of times these the toxicity is allowed to kind of thrive in environment because the people who are kind of supplementing that are really high performers. So Lisa, what if somebody is listening right now and saying, yeah, I've heard the same song and dance, but I want my company to thrive. Like, what do you do? Where do leaders start? If the problem with the bad attitude is coming from somebody who does so well organizationally. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really common because I mean, we can, it's more common than we think. And if you just think of the, like, look at the media and the political landscape that we've kind of been in for the last few years, we have been rewarding negative behavior. It has led to a lot of success for people on the mainstream. What's great about, I will say specifically for Massachusetts, is that there there's so many workplaces that I work with in Massachusetts where there is a zero tolerance policy. And so sometimes when I come in to do trainings with places, they'll already say we have a zero tolerance policy for workplace harassment for people who are bullies. How did we get here? What happened and what can we do to correct it? So the the reality kind of, of where we are right now at, at this current point in time is that it's not new news. We're in the midst of this great resignation. And what's happening is those high performers with a really toxic mindset are kind of, it's all getting, it's getting caught up with them because organizations are seeing, wow, people are leaving. And what has been happening is people aren't leaving organizations because they're not committed to the mission or because the organization isn't the right fit. People are leaving toxic work environments because they know at this point in time, they're going to be able to find a more inclusive environment than what they're currently. But it is it is common that the leaders don't typically see the toxicity coming from the high performers because they're high performers, because oftentimes they're bringing the organization in lots of money. They're making high profits. How they're doing it is not sometimes what we want to see in the workplace, but it, it, what typically happens and how it comes to light to management is when we start to see teams. Now, I'm not just talking about like employees around this one toxic person. I'm saying like we're in a place in time where we're seeing teams of people resigning and you're left with this one toxic person. And what typically happens at that point is I get called in. So I started this work 20 years ago in, or I guess 2001, so over 20 years ago. And I started by doing diversity work and doing trainings with protected groups of employees. So when protected groups of employees leave the workplace, so for here in Massachusetts, we're talking about people of color, women, people with disabilities and veterans. When they start to to exit the workplace for other opportunities, then I'll get called in. People are saying we're we're losing all of our these protected members. What's happening and how do we correct this? So 
what I usually do at that point is then start training and start training because that toxic employee isn't going to change on their own. I, I have not ever seen that happen. Oftentimes people need training. People need to see, okay, here's what things could look like. And geez, like I've created all this negativity around me. And I, I think what had been happening, I will say when I started this work 20 years ago, we weren't really talking about the groups of people. It would be like a person here or there. Years later, it'd be another person. And so that toxic employee was really thriving off the workplace environment because they weren't getting caught because it, it wasn't something that the organization could relate in a good way back to that, that employee. But certainly it happens when it does happen, but I can, I can get into this further, but you know, training is really the first step. And the hope is during that training, there's some kind of awakening for that toxic employee to see, oh, wow, I've created all of these things. This has had a really negative ripple effect. While I might be successful, geez, I'm sitting in this cubicle and all alone at this point because everyone around me has left. It's an interesting point that you raise, excuse me, Lisa, when you say that it has a trickle effect, which kind of leads me into my next question, is that one of the trickiest parts of managing an employee with a toxic mindset or attitude is preventing that attitude, excuse me, preventing that attitude from actually spreading. So in your training, what are some of the ways that you give leaders as a way to tackle the issue at hand and prevent that spread? Yeah, it, it does. It, it definitely does spread. People try to catch it quickly. And so some of the things, you know, what I talk to leaders about when I do these trainings is training and transparency, not just to have training, because what always happens whenever I'm doing any kind of anti-bullying training, workplace civility training, workplace harassment training, the first thing that people ask me at the first training is, what happened? Why are we here? Something happened. Like people jump to that all the time. Something happened. And sometimes something did happen, regardless whether something happened or something didn't happen. I always tell people, oh, I'm, I'm here. This is this is what your leadership wants. It's a great thing to do. It's a, it's a good training to have because it's just a reminder. Some workplaces, it, it really is just a reminder and there's nothing going on, but it doesn't help to say for me as a trainer to say like, this is happening or this isn't happening. However, for leaders, when something really bad has gone down, it is really important to be transparent because it makes other employees around that various situation feel safe and feel like something's happening. The worst thing is when an incident occurs and then people feel like, oh, geez, this is getting swept under the rug. No one's talking about it. And once there's that kind of training and transparency, as it starts to like you said, start to seep into other team members and other team members are thinking, oh, geez, I'm going to be part of this bullying ring. They'll think twice. Okay. Leaders are talking about this. People are saying, are calling out our behavior. If you can get it early. Sometimes that's really good. And there are times when you can't, or when people don't really care. I've trained sometimes when there are a group of people and they're 
in the training kind of saying things that they think are funny during the training, saying things that they believe like, oh, this is just a joke. But you can really see at that point kind of the influence that they're having over others. And the the nice thing I would say about where we are right now is that leaders are starting to see this has a really big impact on the organization. So I was reading this study recently. And it was really interesting because it was saying that two of the top most toxic attributes were disrespect and non-inclusivity. And the non-inclusivity is the, the main reason why I do this training. When people are starting to feel like, oh, geez, as a person of color, as an LGBT community member, as someone who is a veteran or a person with a disability, I am feeling bullied in the workplace. This isn't the place for me. Not only am I going to exit this workplace, but I'm now going to tell all of my community members that, oh, if you're gay, this is not the place to go. If you are a person of color, don't work here. So organizations and leaders are really starting to pay attention to this. And I think I do believe that that kind of transparency around talking about we are a workplace that's committed to inclusivity. We're a workplace that wants to celebrate this and not have people feel bullied when they come to work. And that kind of conversation is how we kind of flip the toxic mindset on its head and say like, okay, we're going to start to spout really positive, inclusive messaging to counteract this negative messaging that this one person is trying to infect throughout this group of people. So that's how I would start with training and transparency. And I, I do always, I try when I go into a situation to give the leaders the benefit of the doubt that, that they're reporting this, they're coming to me because they really want to see change, they want to see inclusivity, and they just don't have the tools to be able to get there. And so that's kind of how we start. Another thing that I think is really important, one other concrete suggestion that I often give leaders and that I will work with um, organizations on is to do a 360 review. Those are always really important. So what that looks like is not only is it the manager of that bully who's going to give some feedback, but it will be the coworkers, it will be colleagues, it will be people who've worked on projects with that person to say, okay, yeah, this person, geez, this person had really negative behavior when they were working on this project. This person tried to get me in on this behavior and was saying X, Y, and Z about employees. So that way you have this all around feedback that you can talk with that person about. It's always my hope that once that feedback is given and you can sit down and have a really transparent conversation with that bully, that the bully says, wow, I had no idea that I was talking in such a way that was impacting people. And then we work with that person to change. So that's always my hope to be able to work with folks on switching that attitude from being really negative and toxic to, oh, geez, can't believe that happened. Like, what are some ways we can start to improve this attitude. So do you think it is possible to really coach somebody that has a bad attitude? Yeah, I, I do because, so there was a situation that I had where I went into an organization and this was a, a director of this 
big organization. This was over 20 years ago. So this person has long since retired. But this person, he he just, he didn't know what he was saying and that his actions were bullying and, and intimidating people. And we had, at that point in time, we had a, we had a laundry list of things that he had said and done and sat down and talked to him. And he was floored. And I know that's surprising because I feel like you have to have some idea if you have pages of people being like, this person said this, or this person made this inappropriate joke or this, but he just, he felt terrible. He felt terrible. He was like, what can I do? I, I, I really enjoy these employees. I didn't realize my sense of humor was really across the line. And so we worked with him. He went through six months of training. In addition to the training, we met with him one-on-one. We talked with him about doing some training talk back. So after his training, we had him write down what was what he had learned in the training. And it was incredible, like just an entirely different workplace. When I went there, I probably went like eight months after he'd gone through all these trainings and he was throwing an employee barbecue and people were like, yeah, this is so different. Like we have seen a 180 change from this person. I think For him, it was possible because he wanted to change. And there are people oftentimes that I'll work with who want to change. There are sometimes absolutely people who will say, I am aware, like I I 100% had, I had someone in a training once who said, I know how I am. I've worked here. And this guy had worked at this organization for 35 years. He was like, I am literally retiring in eight weeks. I know I'm not a good person and I'm not going to change. And so, yeah, there, there are absolutely times when I run into folks who, and he didn't, he didn't participate in the training. He didn't want to change leadership, HR. They were all aware of what was going on with this person. They just kind of let him run out his eight weeks he retired and and that's kind of what what they did but what was really interesting is they said to me he wasn't always like this he kind of increasingly throughout the years got worse and his attitude was more negative with the teams he worked but he wasn't there are some bullies who will literally go out of their way to bully people and to be toxic and to be, have a really big presence. And he wasn't like that. He just wasn't, he wasn't good on teams. So we just didn't have enough information to let him go or do something more punitive with, with that type of person. And so we kind of sat down after the training, after he wasn't participating and leadership said, he's leaving in eight weeks. Let's just ride this out. He was sitting at that point completely by himself so that he wasn't impacting others. And so that, that was kind of, that was an interesting thing to do, but I think had that it been a different time and he had no, let's say he had no plans of leaving. Yeah. I, I would say, there are times when I, when I've kind of hit a roadblock, but I do, I do believe I, I use that story of the gentleman who changed because I do believe 
that can happen. I do believe a hundred percent there are times when people just don't know and want to commit and can put all their energy into being better rather than to making people's lives worse. So this particular gentleman, what did you do to coach him? How long did the process take? Yeah. So I coached him and I was working at the time with some other folks. We would sit down weekly with him and kind of go through how were these trainings that you went through this week because of kind of the severity of some of the things that had arisen. He wasn't, he was only doing these trainings. We we wanted him to come back to work in the right way. So aside from the trainings, he was meeting with us. But other than that, he had worked at this organization for a long time. So he had, we could pay him to not interact with folks for that, those six months and just do, you know, really focus on these trainings, focus on being a better manager. So we, we sat down, we would go through what he'd been learning. I remember at one point he did a presentation for the three of us on, it was really like a teach back stuff that we as trainers knew, but he, what we liked about that was it wasn't just, I'm going to read you this, these slides that I saw today, because this, (laughs) this was before PowerPoint. So these were like overhead slides. So he really had to actually sit down and take notes because he wasn't getting any paper notes of what was happening. And we could tell by his remorse, we could tell when we sat with him and the amount of times that he just felt terrible. He even got many times to the point of crying and just feeling like, geez, I can't, I can't believe I said or did this. I had no idea this was something I shouldn't have done. So it was really kind of to to gauge and see his attitude and to see how he was feeling about these trainings. Was he willing to go? He was very willing. He was someone who, he just had a lot of energy. He just wasn't exhibiting it in the most appropriate way before these trainings. So it was really just to kind of see, are we able to shift this energy in a different direction? And we we really were through this presentation, through his notes, through some of the initiatives that very last month, we met with him and we were prepping him to get back to work. um, And we were saying, so what are some of the things now that you've gone through this training, now that you understand, like, what are some of the things? that you're going to start to do in the workplace. And he did start to do more appreciation days. And he'd been with a group of different directors and no other directors in this group had been doing that. So he start, he himself started to come up with ideas that were really innovative and really showed, okay, not only did I did I go to this training, but I'm synthesizing synthesizing what I've learned in a way to make a positive environment. Great, Lisa. Thank you. And it brings up an interesting flip perspective where you're saying the reason why this was successful was because he wanted to change. So what about the manager who is doing the right thing and investing the time to make a change, but the coachee per se, who is the person creating this negative environment, isn't buying into it, isn't seeing the issues at hand and making the change. What 
are the next steps there? Simply put, are there two options? You invest more or you let them go? Yeah. So, and that's happened. That has absolutely happened where I've worked with, I, I went into a situation where there were, there were ringleaders. So there was this one person and he had kind of negatively impacted another person. They were these two ringleaders. So it was such a difficult scenario because they were being very overt about the bullying during not only in the workplace but during this training so we worked really long and hard with this group so we separated the ring leaders one thing that i always talk to folks about not doing is sometimes people think if you're working in a big company who has different branches oh i'm just going to transfer this person to another branch and they're going to keep bullying because you've done nothing but transfer them and you haven't given them skills to change. So what I would say is when we separated these folks, when they were in different areas of the office, different teams working with different people, with one of them, the bullying continued. (laughs) And we did all of the same stuff. We did one-on-one coaching. We put him through training. We had him do a teach back that was so clear in his apathy that he wasn't learning anything. He didn't want to change. He thought it was stupid. He just was like, really, it was such a nuisance for him to, to go through the things we wanted him to go through. So we did six months of this. He didn't change Um, his behavior actually, which was strange, ended up getting worse. So With with people, I always say we want to try our best to be able to see change. And this was so clear that that wasn't happening. We worked for six months with him, but six months before that, the manager had worked with him. So at that point, we we did have to to resort to the this organization's protocol for employee discipline. So we did have to have the the manager. We had several levels of managers involved issuing a verbal warning, then a written warning. It was clear things were getting worse. And then there was just a kind of the straw that this last event that he knew he, he intentionally knew was not the right thing to do. And so at that point we had to terminate. And there are, so there are times when that happens, it's, it's never what I like to see happen. It's never what the managers want to see. We always want to see that people want to change, but it was so clear that he wasn't. And I mean, that he wasn't going to change. And in, in that situation, when I visited Six months later, after he was gone, it was as people were like walking on clouds, like they just, there was a relief. People could breathe again. There weren't, he had created a place where people were really, really fearful. And so, I mean, that's positive. Again, it's never what we'd like to see happen, but it was positive that, that that saved an office of 150 people from a lot of fear, anxiety, stress, because bullying in the workplace has just terrible mental health and physical health impacts on the workplace. And so to see like, geez, people were like 
friendly, doing various normal workplace things with each other, going out to lunch, taking walks. We could see the mental health effects it had when this person left. So that that part was really positive because we wanted to keep, we wanted to retain the rest of the workforce. Why did the company wait six months? Yeah. So I, a lot of times I work with a lot of unions and when you're working with a lot of unions, especially I will say in Massachusetts, you have to go through certain union regulations. That person had a union representative involved and it just, it slows the process down. And I know management wanted to respect the the way that the process was running. So it wasn't it wasn't that we were, you know, that folks didn't want to see a fa- a faster process. It was just kind of logistics at that point with all the different people who had gotten involved on he, with his team of people being on the same page with our team of people. So it was really just kind of a logistical situation. I can see at that point too, it becomes maybe a problem for other employees to see that much time invested on somebody who is clearly not going to change. So, I mean, you do what you have to do, right? It doesn't always end up in the best possible outcome, but the results of it, it, like you said, at least they created a positive environment after realizing that this wasn't going to change in any way other than removing the problem from its environment. Lisa, can you give us an example of what an action plan might look like? Starting with a one-on-one conversation, sometimes, you know, if you have folks who are really willing to listen and learn, this is great because sometimes you can sit down and say, we're concerned because of this. And it's really interesting because when we were not in a virtual environment, things such as, I, I there was a situation that... To me, well, I'm not going to, I don't need to share how I felt about it, but a bunch of employees were, were really concerned because one of their managers, and this happens more often than not, that at, in the lunchroom, when you're not virtually or remote, people talk about what they have for lunch. And there was this one a supervisor who was just terrible about what people were eating. And she was body shaming. She was just saying really inappropriate things. And so I started by a one-on-one conversation. She literally had no idea. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. So when that's kind of the first step in the action plan. Because if someone is like, whoa, this is really bad. It, it, it may or it may not constitute workplace bullying. And if someone can commit to that change right away, or, or like this woman said, what can I do? Or their trainings are, I want to be a better person. So we worked on that action plan together. That's, that's awesome that you, you want someone like that, who's willing to kind of see and change, but in a situation where maybe a, a large group from like the director, that example, that was a really big office of like 200 people who were impacted by this one person. Yeah, we put an action plan together that was doing training. After the training, it was having these one-on-one conversations with us. But more recently in in the kind of in, in the world that we're in now, one thing that we suggest that I work with people on is so 
once people have gone through the six months, the three to six months of training, because that's what I always say, there's a three to six month track that people can go through these trainings, especially if it's a if it's a director, someone who's in a lot of power, I always think it's really great if a lot of people are impacted and if once that person starts to change and really take in the good information on how to create an inclusive environment, then I, I suggest that we co-train, that this person gives a presentation to their, their group of employees so that their employees see, wow, okay, like this person, not only did this person just do go through this training, but now this person is, has really taken in this material and is, is training it to us and is owning up to some of the, the behaviors that we saw. Another route within the action plan would also be to write an article for the company on the benefits of of creating an inclusive workplace. I think what that shows is, again, going back to that inclusivity and and disrespect being the two top things why people leave a toxic environment. If someone can write an, an action, write an article rather on here are the benefits of an inclusive workplace and people start to see, wow, so this person really has changed. This person's be gone through six months of training. They're writing this article for one of our newsletters on this. This is great. And then I would say after that, it's it, you have to then meet, I recommend for the action plan to meet with that person quarterly and just check in and then to to do that for the next three years, because you don't want that person to have gone through that training and then to slip back into negative behavior. And also as part of the action plan, transparency and honest feedback from the, not only the supervisor, but the person who that director might be supervising and to see, okay, over time, who has this act, how, how does this action plan work at over time, whether I'm working one-on-one with someone or creating a strategic plan, I always have these quarterly Im- implementation performance reviews. So kind of like key performance indicators, am, am I, is this person changing? How are we measuring the change? What are some things that we can do if we're not seeing enough change? If we're seeing, okay, this person was working with this group of people, now they're not. So let's start to change their performance indicators to be appropriate to this point in time because they're working with another group of people. So I believe that the action plans work really well. And again, you have to be with someone who is, sometimes I've worked with someone who was so committed to the mission of the organization that he wanted to change. It wasn't as though, what was really interesting is he wasn't necessarily changing because of people around him. He was changing because of what the organization did and the benefits that the organization was giving to the greater community. And it, it's fine because either why, either way, we saw a huge behavior change, but definitely action plans are, are, are I think are really effective, but you really need that person to be on board. Lisa, you've shared a lot of insight today. So thank you. I think to wrap it all up, what are some tips that you could share with our listeners who want to stay one step ahead of this issue? Are there any preventative actions that can be taken to ensure positive workplace culture? Yeah. I mean, 
definitely positive workplace culture is set by tone. And one of the things that I talk to leaders about in terms of tips, listen all the time, be an active listener. So don't just listen to listen, like make sure that you're taking that in and saying like what I oftentimes, whenever I'm doing a training on the power of listening and active listening is to say, okay, so what I hear you saying is this, I just want to make sure I'm getting it right to synthesize what you've heard back to that person. So being an active listener, be aware, take notice, take notice that once you start to see people leaving the workplace, or if you start to hear that folks are not as engaged or start to hear the little grumblings of people who are like, geez, I I am not sure if this is the type of place for me. Be aware, take notice, do something. Catch it sooner rather than later. Set the tone for creating an inclusive environment. That starts with you. It starts with your languaging. It starts with the mission. It starts with the types of positive things that you have around the office. What are, what do your, what do your pictures in your office look like? What, what's the marketing around the office? Is it positive? Is it funny? Is it something that's engaging? Make sure that all of your marketing is really inclusive and encouraging of a productive environment. No blaming or shaming. That's huge. I say that all the time in my trainings. Don't blame or shame yourself. Don't blame or shame others. So if you start to see something, just call it out, see what little changes can be made and to commit to small acts of kindness and positive attitudes. So just the small things, the everyday things, you'll notice you're in a good workplace. If when you go to the other room, someone says, oh, can I get you a glass of water? I'm heading over to get some water. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm heading out to lunch. You want me to pick something up for you? So set the tone for a positive attitude um, and a place where you can have good conversations and you're not excluding people or excluding groups of people. Also, as a leader, you want to set the tone to create an environment where people will come in and trust you. So when something does go awry, you want to make sure that you can be the person they come to, that they can talk to you. Know when to shift and change towards a more positive positive attitude and always err on the side of caution. So as a leader, you want to keep it positive, but you also want to keep it professional. So I always tell people that sometimes people are thinking, well, should I do X, Y, and Z for a Christmas party or for a holiday party rather? And think about it. Think about the implications of what you want to do. Is it positive? Is it going to include everyone who is here? How can I be more inclusive? Stay upbeat. Be a leader that is someone who some folks will want to come to and trust. So those are so those are the main tips really that I have. But it's it's definitely possible to we see it all the time, places that are creating really inclusive, positive environments. So definitely possible. All right. Lisa. Thank yes. you for Thank you. an amazing Thank episode. You. But now we come to a really, really fun part of the show, which is the TTA 10. David? It's the TTA 10. 10 final questions for our guest. 
All right, Lisa. So as I talked to you about before we got the episode started, we have this fun little segment called the TTA 10. I've got 10 random questions I'm going to ask you. They're all really fun, very playful, nothing to put you on the spot too bad, I hope. But the goal is, is that you will get all of these questions answered in 90 seconds or less and become a TTA champion. If not, well, we'll address that when we get there. Okay, but hopefully we result in another TTHN champion here. David? We have 90 We have 90 seconds on the clock, so whenever you're ready, Jocelyn. All right, Lisa. What TV show do you always recommend for your friend's next binge? Parks and Rec. Good one. What is 13 plus 6? 19. What was your favorite subject in school? English. What was your least favorite subject in school? Science. If you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Flying. What's your most favorite place that you've ever traveled to? Columbia. Columbia. What's your favorite reality TV show? Massinger. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. If you could pick a new career today, what would you choose? I don't know. Actor. I don't know. <laughs> no, athlete. Athlete. Tennis player. Tennis player. A tennis player. All right. Well, that's our 10. I must say oh, wow. that was probably like way under 90 seconds. It had to have been. But David, what's the official rule? No drama here. We might have a new record with a time of just 50 seconds. Wow. You, Lisa, are indeed. A TTA 10 champion. Outstanding. Stand, stand by for your salute. Lisa, you are a TTA 10 champion. You may shout this news from the rooftops, dazzle your friends at cocktail parties, and include it on your resume. Now that you have achieved this coveted honor, you will be respected and loved by captains of industry, heads of state, social media influencers, and Uber drivers. The sun will shine brighter for you, food will taste better, and life will have new meaning. Congratulations, Lisa. You are a TTA 10 champion. All right, Lisa. All right. Highest accolades and approval from yes. one of the most important people, your yeah. Uber drivers. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to all the Uber drivers. You guys are doing the hard stuff out there. So. <laughs> I don't want anybody hating me for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lisa. We really appreciated you being our guest at bring out the talent thank you thanks so much for having me for more information on lisa and how to bring a positive workplace culture to your organization visit us at the we'll see you later